Good afternoon. My name is Mark Solomon. I'm senior writer at FreightWaves. I am pleased to be joined today by Gordon Glazer. Uh, Gordon is senior consultant and USPS specialist for Shipware LLC. They are a consulting firm based in San Diego, California. Welcome, Gordon. Thank you. Nice to be here. Good to have you. Uh, the topic is the Postal Service's pivot. It's been a very difficult year for the Postal Service politically, financially, uh, but they will still be doing business after Election Day. So I guess my first question to you is, what does the peak season look like for the post office? Can they handle what is expected to be unprecedented volumes for all parcel carriers? I believe they can. The Postal Service is made up of around 600,000 really hardworking Americans who take great pride in their work. The Postal Service lives for Q4. It is their time. They will deliver. Uh, there are challenges, of course. You know, they're like all companies are facing tremendous volume overload challenges. And I think it's it's a question of setting proper expectations. You know, sh uh, the shippers themselves have to set the proper expectations on when things are going to get delivered. And all services are seeing delays across the board from all carriers. As you know, the guarantees have been removed from FedEx and UPS. Um, they're all instituting, you know, uh, some sort of peak surcharges. The post office has peak surcharges, all designed to help them cover the additional costs of handling the, the, the incredible volume during uh, Q4. And specifically, you know, Black Friday through Christmas, of course. Okay. Um, the new Postmaster General, Louis DeJoy, um, pushed through the first peak season surcharge uh, in the history of the Postal Service. Is this going to be the wave of the future for USPS? Will there be more surcharges as volumes continue to increase and their cost to serve goes up as well? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, we, nobody really knows what's going to happen. You know, we think that the volume is going to stay higher than it was before, that, that buying patterns have changed. And yeah, you know, we've seen what five years of e-commerce growth in the last six months or so, and it, the trajectory is exponential in terms of how it's growing. Um, so, what does that look like when a vaccine's available? When when things start to get back to some new normalcy, uh, we believe buying behaviors have changed permanently, and that there's going to be a, a tremendous increase that we've seen. It's not going to stay at that same level, but there's going to be a, a much higher. It's going to reset to a much higher participation for e-commerce. There has been a great deal of talk about what impact President Trump's suggestion that the post office quadruple its parcel shipping rates. Uh, his view is that Amazon is getting away with murder and that the Postal Service is just a pinata for Jeff Bezos to whack every now and then. Uh, what damage would that do, if any damage, to the post office if they followed President Trump's suggestion? Well, up until a few weeks ago, we didn't know, right? We projected. Uh, and then there was this accidental release of 10,000 pages of information. And, it, and it's cleared up a lot of things. And, and we know 
from internal documents that were released that the post office is making money on Amazon, you know, uh, according to their internal documents. It, to the tune, I think it was like $1.5 billion or $1.7 billion. I can't remember exactly. Um, so they are making money. And uh, it, it would be an absolute disaster. They charted out all these different scenarios in those documents. And they, if, if, if they did raise prices four times, the pricing the post office understands is it's incredibly elastic. So every increase in pricing, there's an equivocal reduction of volume. And you know, and that and that hurts, right? So there's they got to find the right balance. Uh, last year's rate change, they raised prices, the volume got hit pretty hard, but the revenue increased. So you could argue that maybe it wasn't a terrible thing because they, you know, they're profitable on the packages. Uh, Trump has been completely off, and it's unfortunate that you know all of a sudden the mail, the post office has been drugged into this political quagmire. You know the. Look, I, I don't like being too political, but when they threaten my post office, something that I hold truly dear to my heart uh, as, a, as a beloved American institution, when when a sitting president goes after that, and he's going, gone after the census, he's gone after so many different things that trying to um, improve his chances of staying in office, uh, and it's unfortunate. But we have to work around it. Um, I believe that you know, the, the, the line home, you know, American postal workers, you know, they're not going to follow some of these things to the letter and, and they they're going to deliver for us. And uh, it, it's incredibly safe. I know there's a lot of concerns about, you know, the mail not being safe and all this fraud that's going on. It's all baloney. OK, there has never been any evidence of any kind of widespread postal mail fraud for political reasons. And there's a good reasons for that. I mean, anybody who does anything to tamper with the mail is tampering with, you know, federal uh, federal laws. It's not misdemeanors. It's felonies. And it's it's the same laws that protect our currency, that protect the Postal Service. It would be incredibly stupid for somebody, you know, to mess with or tamper with the mail. Um, the, the inspection service, I mean, they have different entrances that they enter and they walk through catwalks through the building. Nobody knows when an inspector is watching. Um and they have incredible latitude. And, you know, that's why the mail is very, very secure. That's why they use the mail to send the Hope Diamond, you know, the most valuable object in the world. They sent it through U.S. mail because it was the safest uh, way to transport it. Louis DeJoy's appointment has been heavily politicized. His actions over the past two or three months have been heavily politicized and criticized. But if you look at his background, he is a logistician and a businessman. If we operate under the assumption that the Postal Service's future lies not with letters or circulars, but with parcels, uh, would a person of DeJoy's background and qualifications be an excellent fit for Postmaster General for the next four or five years? If he didn't have investments in his competitors, possibly, um, if he wasn't placed by members of the Board of Governors with a particular political um, direction that they wanted him to follow, uh, if, if, if he recused himself from conversations with the, with the White House on, on what they were trying to achieve and, and focused on the job at hand, I believe he does have the qualifications to properly run. But, he, you know, I mean, if you look at the things that he's done, I mean, the, uh, the Friday massacre where, you know, 30-some high executives got reshuffled on a Friday, you know, and then, you know, you, you start removing all the equipment around the country and picking up post office boxes, but not everywhere. You pick up post office boxes where, 
you know, Trump is, you know, is, is, is worried about losing, you know, and so they're eliminating these, these mailboxes from, from area neighborhoods and areas where it's served by Democrats, you know, primarily. And it's just not, it's not equal, you know, mail balloting's okay for him, you know, or, or it's okay for the military, but it's not okay for democratically majority states, the Republican states. Oh, it's fine. There's no problem with fraud there. It's just in the democratic areas. It's obvious what's going on. Uh as I said at the start of our conversation, the Postal Service is going to be in business November 4th, November 5th, and perhaps as long as there is a standing republic. Um, their parcel business is under severe strain. Um, they're major customers of an important product, Parcel Select, are moving that business in-house. FedEx Corp and UPS Incorporated are going after the small to mid-sized business that is the heart of the Postal Service's priority mail product. What can the post office do to stem this negative flow in the one business that has been a, you know, a shining light over the past decade? They have to deliver. They have to continue doing their core core services. They're at every door every day. It's a tremendous advantage. And as you as you talk about the reduction of other services and the growth of package services, uh, yes, we're seeing that. You know, they overtook just recently. You know, the standardized mail, standard mail, marketing mail, overtook that as as a, as a percentage of revenue. And first class, the more profitable first class mail is is gone down. So yes, packages are a very very important part of their, their mix uh, and they're, and they're threatened from all sides, right? So they, ha it's a, it's a duopoly, a co-opetition, co right? So you've got UPS and FedEx that were using the post office to deliver the final mile. FedEx is, is uh, trying to pull all of that volume in house. Okay. And they're going to do hundred percent you know, delivery, eliminating smart posts is going to be FedEx, you know, economy, sir, you know, ground economy name's not named yet, but it's going to be, you know, they're merging their networks. UPS is uh, is doubled down with the postal service, so they're you know they're continuing to use the postal service to deliver the packages that they don't want to keep in network. They're union house, and they're keeping I think around thirty five percent or so in house right now. Um, you know the the consolidators depend on the postal service, all of them, for delivering the final mile. Uh, and Amazon, of course, is an emerging competitor. You know they're buying more planes and more trucks. Uh, they are cherry picking the most uh, lucrative. Shipping lanes where they have density and they can achieve, you know, economies of scale and so forth. The post office is is very, you know, I mean, they understand the elasticity of price. They understand how important it is to to price their products competitively. They understand what the marketplace is out there. Unfortunately, they have to work through, you know, the PRC and and the, and the board of governors, and they've got, you know, avenues for their competitors to come in and argue that, you know whether or not they're properly pricing. So it's not like a typical company that can just make a decision on price. I mean, they've got Congress in their, in their picture. They've got the PRC, the Board of Governors, the president's making comments. I mean, how many other businesses get, you know, have all these different entities getting in their face talking about how to set pricing? Post uh, UPS has spent millions of dollars you know, on, on those studies at the PRC. Dr. Nielsen trying to change the way the post office does their cost accounting for covering their institutional costs. Uh, they recently passed that 10-year review with the, uh, uh, with the PRC from the PAEA, the Postal Accountability Enhancement Act, that mandated 
that at the time, 5% of their institutional costs were covered by uh, you know, the package services. Well, today it's up to closer to 25%. And, and the reason is, is because of, of, of these threats from, from UPS and, and, uh, and the understanding of this review that recently was completed. The, um, the Trump administration rolled out a um, postal reform plan a couple of years back. Um, are there elements in that plan that are workable enough to implement? Certainly. You know, I, I, I believe the post office should, should be allowed to do some additional things to help their business grow like any business. You know, postal banking is one, right? So there's areas in this country that do not have good access to, to banking, and the Postal Service could provide that. Uh, but the lobbyists, of course, have pushed against it. Uh, the Postal Service wanted to eliminate, you know, six-day-a-week mail delivery. Let's keep it for packages, right? Um, because mail, as you mentioned, is becoming a little less relevant, right? Uh, so that was turned down. Congress shut that down. The post office was reorganized in their facilities reorganization, part of a consolidation the, the Congress stepped in the middle of that while they were reducing facilities and shut that off because some people during this this you know process they weren't you know there were some delays and things that were taking place. So the post office is you know it you try and you know go forward and they get pushed back. Um, but yes, absolutely, there are some things that they can do. But I think it's important to uphold ben, Benjamin Franklin's dream of, of the post office unifying our country, just like our highway systems. And that's why there's this universal delivery standard that, you know, that's why privatization won't work is because the way it is now, it's equal for all Americans, regardless of where they live. The post office is that unifying force that makes America great. It's, it, it would be a bad idea to split that up, in my opinion. Can the post office not handle parcels that are too big or too bulky uh, that require far more handling by the letter carrier than just putting a parcel in a mailbox? That's uh, interesting. Yes, the post office is really geared towards the smaller, lighter weight packages. They're, they're, they're conveyor systems. You know, anything over 25 pounds is considered an outside parcel anyway. It doesn't even, it's not even supposed to come into the building, right? So it stays outside. Uh, it is geared towards the letter. It, and it's funny because in, in September of 2014, after UPS and FedEx, you know, were removing the dimensional divisors and increasing the pricing, the post office at the same time, you know, lowered the rates by almost 100% in some, some lanes. There was a 50% reduction and then turned around two years later and it was 100% or more greater to bring it back up to where it was. They experimented with that. And their trucks just aren't designed for those bigger, heavy packages. They can only hold so many. Um, and it takes more trips back and forth to the DDU to, you know, and it that delays things. So, yeah, it's not where they, they play. They, they know where they play. And they don't want to be everything. They're not like the national carriers. They, they fit in a very, you know, in that e-commerce space, really. You know, in that, you know, under, under the ounce base of, uh, pricing for their under pound can't be beat by anybody. Nobody can beat it. Uh, they are the, they are the leader there in both first class package services as well as the parcel select lightweight, which is what the consolidators use uh, for like smart posts, sure posts, MI, DHL e-commerce, Pitney Bowes Nugentics, OSM, etc. Uh, they, they that's that's how that works. Can the postal service fill the hole 
that will be left by FedEx and to a certain extent left by UPS and Amazon? They're going to have to. They're going to have to, you know, to, to survive. Uh, they, they, have to, they have to keep their prices low to be relevant. Remember, they're there every, every door every day. Uh, the other carriers can't. They're always going to be the, the carrier of choice for the least desirable routes, right? And then they're going to pick up, you know, uh, obviously the, the, the metro areas from a, from a lot of shippers. You know, it's, it's a direct network, right? You're not dealing with multiple, multiple handoffs or whatever. And, uh, you know, UPS and, and FedEx and, and Amazon, uh, they're going to go after those high-density, uh, you know, areas where they can, you know, get, achieve the economies of scale. Um, and that's going to, to hurt volume. But remember, the volume is growing as well. And the post office can, you know, uh, they can balance. It's going to be a little bit of a juggling act. But these things don't happen overnight, typically. Um, and it will evolve over time. You know, the post office is a great career. So they're not going to have the same issues attracting labor like, you know, the other folks are where they have to pay, you know, um, and compete with unemployment and, and compete with everything else that's going on in today's market. So government jobs, a good, good job to have as a second career. Um, should the post office be liberated? I think postmaster general DeJoy used that word. Uh, should they be liberated from the, unwieldy pricing mechanisms that are currently in place. I think that they've gotten a lot of that capability today. They, they received that in, in 2006, executed in 2007 from the PAEA, the Postal Accountability and Enhancement Act that was signed by George Bush. Uh, and it separated the Postal Service from market dominant or the mailing products that does need to be regulated and is tied to CPI and other means to change pricing. And, and the shipping side, the competitive side of the business, where they have a lot more latitude to change prices. And there, unfortunately, there's still some areas that I think the post office would like to see go away. In other words, their competitors coming in there telling and you know, trying to change the way they do things so that they can compete better. It's not fair. You know, Congress meddling with, you know, closing of post offices and, 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 and changing some of these things. There's a lot of meddling in the po from, from Congress and not allowing the Postal Service to do what it wants, maybe adding banking services, maybe eliminating mail on Saturday and just packages on Saturday. Uh, th they want more latitude. And every Postmaster General in the history, since I've been in this business for 36 years, has always been asking for more latitude in terms of their ability to act more like a business. And I don't think that's changed under DeJoy. Although, Frankly, I think there may be some nefarious, uh, you know, I think that Trump and the, their cronies, they want, to, uh, they want to sell the post office, split it up like Blue Star and, uh, and, and, and Gordon Gecko and uh, uh, what was it? Wall Street. I think that's what they want to do, like Blue Star Airlines, and split it up and sell it and, and make a lot of money. So the whole carpetbaggers, if you go back to the Reconstruction and after the Civil War, what took place. I mean, that's, that's what's happening, I think. And, you know, he's making too much money. He's he's done some things, uh, you know, that aren't right. So and he's uh, he's being called out on it across the country. And, and Americans aren't going to stand for anybody messing with their postal service. I mean, people I was I was thrilled to death in my own hometown. People are out there on a hot day, you know, protesting about 
they want to make sure their, their post office, their mail is not tampered with for political reasons. And the people are upset and we're not going to stand for it. And this is going to pass. The joy is going to get, you know, he's either going to set straight or he's going to get pushed out. And I think some of the border governors need to be, you know, set straight uh, and make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I think things are going to get straightened out come January when we get a, a new leader in charge of our country. On that uh, apolitical note, I want to thank Gordon Glazer, uh, senior consultant and USPS specialist at Shipware LLC. Uh, my name is Mark Solomon, senior writer at Freight Waves. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Gordon.